Glory. You know, there's a lot of craziness going on in our nation, uh, and it's only going to get worse. That's what the Word of God tells us. Uh, I wish it wouldn't. I pray that it doesn't, but it's just going to. That's the way it is as time winds down. And uh, if you look in the Word of God, America sort of disappears in the Bible. It's not there. I'm not saying that we'll be totally destroyed. I'm just saying we seem to America loses its influence. And you can see what's going on in our nation now. There's an antichrist spirit that's going on um, more and more. There's also the uh, push to stop freedom of speech like never before. Um, that's happening. And I understand, I said what I believe. I believe the Lord's letting all that stuff happen because we, the people of God, really don't cling to His Word. We really don't. And it's coming a point in time in this nation, uh, most likely probably still in my lifespan, and like I told you before, I'm 70, so that's not like I got lots left. But I believe that God is letting this happen so that you and I will understand that the Word of God is all we have. It's all we ever had. Us Americans just kind of are too busy. We just kind of don't get to it. I'll try to get to it. Most American Christians don't hold the Word of God in great regard. Um, we just don't, even those of us who go to church. I mean, we just kind of, we love the Lord. We just don't, I don't know what's the matter, some kind of brain disease we have or something kind of just like, well, we'll get around to it. I know it's important. I know it's God's Word. You'll say amen. You might even stand up and defend it. But to dive in it and eat it like it's your necessary food? Mm, I don't know if we do that. Matthew tells us this. Jesus answered and said unto them, you do err. You make a big mistake. You don't understand. You got this incorrect, not knowing the Scriptures nor the power of God. We have to know the Scriptures, not one, not two, Know the Word of God. That's what God says, because you understand, when you are in situations, only thing that's going to help you is the Word of God's going to come back to you. And if it's not in there, it's not coming. And we live in a day and age of total lies. Everybody's lying. Lies upon lies upon lies. You don't even know what's true anymore. Well, the Word of God is all it's going to be. It's going to be standing there. Psalmist said, 119.25, my soul cleaveth unto the dust, meaning he's having such a horrible day, just the awful things, he feels like his face is in the dust, grieving, hurting, whatever it is, disappointment, my soul cleaveth unto the dust, quicken thou me according to thy word. Ball games aren't going to help. Tickets to the Buckeyes, whatever it is, your Browns, Baker Mayfield, collecting. Why well, you don't do longer burger baskets? All this jazz anymore. Nothing. Everything that distracts us is going to be absolutely meaningless at this point in time. And a lot of you have been there. Something happens to you physically. Something bad. You don't care if the car's washed, if the sweepers run. All you have is the Word, if you've put it in there. Psalmist 119.47 says, I rise before the dawning of the morning and cry for help. How's he cry? I hope in your Word. Now look, if you don't know it, what are you going to do? You're just going to cry, I guess. Hebrews 4.12 is New King James, powerful, powerful, for the Word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, and of joints and of marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Now you might say, I believe that, I believe that, but is that actually really working in your life constantly, every day? So, okay, my question to you is, have you ever received a handwritten letter? Eh, used to years ago. In fact, Doris Do, I don't know how many remember Doris Do. She had the sweetest handwriting, even well into her 80s, and I would tell her, please write this person, please write that one. What do I say? You ask God, what, and she would just handwrite beautiful letters to people. Handwritten letters. They're kind of... Uh, more important than anything, right? Hardly anyone does anymore. Hey, you do it on your computer, you text, hey, how you doing? Yeah, nice, hello, hi, hey, man, goodbye. Or an email, 
Never, never do we really sit down in our own, most of us don't even know how to write cursive anymore, and write a hand, been thinking about you, missed you for a long time. I really hope you're doing well, been praying for you every day. We just, we just kind of don't do it. But when someone sits down and actually handwrites a letter, it has to have some type of special meaning to you. I mean, even Paul said in his epistles, I write this in my own hand. Many times I tell Teresa, write this letter, and I'll sign it. I'll read it, and I say, hey, that's not bad. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, I'll sign it. That's good. Sometimes there's situations and circumstances that are a little more heavier, and I said, no, I've got to write this myself. I've got to think about this and write this myself. I might give it to her to check the grammar, but I write it myself because it's more important to me, and so I put my own pen, my own hand to it even as Apostle Paul. Well, guess what? It just so happens today I have a letter. And it's written to New Hope. wonder who it's from. Remember Christmas cards? Who does that anymore? Betsy? Do you? Amy? Not too many. Okay, well, let's see who wrote us. Ooh. Got a lot to say. Huh. Let me check it out. Greetings from Peter, it says. Anybody know Peter? Who knows Peter? Yeah, you don't want to play along? Fine. <laughs> There's your letter. <laughs> That was a prop, Vicky. Don't worry about it. <laughs> now listen, serious. Greetings from Peter. It's the word of God. Handwritten by God to you. To you, personally. I don't care what you feel like today. I don't care how bad you're hurting. I hope the Lord touches you. It doesn't matter to me how bad you've messed up. This is what the Word of God says to you. Greetings from Peter. Spirit of Almighty God moved upon this man to pen this letter to you and I at this time. Peter 1.1 says, this letter's from Peter. This is all New Living Translation, so it makes a little more in our lingo. An apostle of Jesus Christ. Listen, I'm writing to God's chosen people. That's you. I understand, I don't care what you feel like. There are no super Christians, no superhumans, no S's on our chests. So Paul, or Peter, through the Spirit of God, says, I'm writing to God's chosen people, picked out by God. You are. Who are living as foreigners. That's what you're supposed to be doing in the providence of the United States of America, in the county of Muskingum, in the city of Zanesville, in the state of Ohio. Greetings, says Peter to you. Letter, handwritten. God the Father knew you and chose you long ago. How many ever played some kind of pickup ball? Well, you play ball anymore outside when you're young? Pick up, oh, I'll take him, I'll take him, I'll take him, and you're there like this. That's not, not with God. God says, I picked you long ago. Long time ago. God's not going, all right, I'll take Adam. And he's the only one left. And No, not at all. God says, I chose you long ago. Listen, and his spirit, his Holy Spirit has made you holy. You are holy unto God, separated unto God, purified by God. You are, even in this filthy world, says the word of God to you by the hand of Peter. So God says, God the Father knew you, chose you long ago, and his spirit has made you holy. And then he goes, as a result, do you understand there should be results, right? We've got lots of teachers in here, and you pass on an exam, don't you get results, whether they're good or bad. And so Peter says this, 
God knew you. He chose you. He made you holy by His Spirit. So as a result, you have obeyed Him. That's your job. Now, if you don't know the Word of God, you can't obey nothing. Zilch, you have no clue what he's saying. Maybe that's why we don't read it. But God says, as a result, you have obeyed him, listen, and have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. This is what God is saying to you with a handwritten note, handwritten letter to you. I know the enemy bombards your mind with, he doesn't love me, he don't care about me, I'm the worst thing God ever saved. I wonder if I'm even saved. Listen to what God wrote to you. Listen to it. Seriously. <clears throat> Cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. And then he says, may God give you more and more grace and peace. Do you think, well, cool. What? Do you understand how powerful that is? God's grace. Peace. Peace of mind. His grace. That's God's divine ability to move upon your heart and to work it into your life. God's ability to make you obey His orders and laws. So, and as you do this, God says, I hope you get more and more grace. So you become more and more obedient. And do what God wants. All works together. The Word of God. In you, if you read it. Handwritten. I mean, how many? Come on. How many of you ever had a handwritten letter and you've never, never, never opened it? Unless it says IRS or something. But it wouldn't be handwritten. So, 1 Peter 1.3 says, all praise to God and Father, right? I mean, to what he's done. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy. Not just mercy. His great mercy. That word mercy means Kindness. God's not up there and say, yeah, just step, just step out of line, Alex, just step out of line. There. No, it's his great kindness that we have been born again. God's great kindness that you've been born into God's family, his great mercy. Peter is saying, handwritten to you, no matter how you feel, no matter how bad you messed up this morning, or if you're sitting there angry as heck at your wife. This is what the Word says. Now, it doesn't dismiss how you're acting, but it's telling you, handwritten, what God says to you. All praise to God, the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by His great kindness that we have been born again. Because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead, now we live with great expectation. Now, the proof that we're not totally dove into the Word of God and filled to the brim and overflowing because we don't live with great expectation. You hate Mondays. Can't stand Wednesday because there's two more days. Friday comes, you act like a buffoon. I mean, has, there's no Christmas is coming, Christmas is coming, Christmas is coming, Christmas is gone. It's gone. My birthday, my birthday, my birthday. After you get a certain age, I don't even want any birthdays. You have these, there's all your expectations is that everything has no satisfaction, no feeling whatsoever, nothing. We do not have, we do not live by this great expectation. What is that great expectation? That you'll get everything you prayed for? We should be, but we don't, because we're guilty of really not opening the letter to see what God says to us. We don't. Verse 4 says, we have a priceless inheritance. We don't probably think about it much now. Probably don't. And God says, yet yeah, it's priceless. Absolutely priceless. And one day you will see the great value of it, and I hope you're on the right side seeing it. I do, because we don't handle it like it is something of great value. Listen to what it says. We have a priceless inheritance, and, <clears throat> excuse me, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you. It's kept there for you. At that point where you cross that last river, like the song says, 
then it'll be given to you and you'll have the eternal salvation. And we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled. Because if we had it, we'd probably mess it all up. Beyond the reach of change and decay. Beyond the reach of being unsoiled, God said. Nothing's going to get to it. Everything's a mess in our nation. Everything's been touched by man. Water's polluted. Forests are polluted. Sky's polluted. We're polluted. Government's polluted. Religion is polluted. God says, hey, this is untouched. Unsoiled. I mean, that's what it says. Beyond the reach of decay. You see, I have received an inheritance. My parents weren't rich. It wasn't much. And if I handled it unwisely, you know, um, probably maybe three years ago or so, it could be gone. It could be gone because it wasn't that much. But still, it was an inheritance, but it wasn't that much. I'm thankful for it, but it's probably could be gone in instance. And what I'm leaving... What I'm leaving, what we are leaving to our children is subject to change. One, I could say, forget it, I'm spending it. Two, the government said, forget it, I'm taking it. Right? Three, the bottom falls out and everything's worth nothing. And what I'm leaving for an heirs could become an anchor to them. So mine is subject to change, but God says, mine isn't. And mine is unsoiled. I could leave them a house which I think is in best shape. They finally get it and they find out that the septic tank has been uh, uh, tested and found wanting. You need a new one of them. That's 12 grand. Hot water tank's leaking. I mean, that's what happens to our stuff. But God is saying to you, it's a priceless inheritance. An inheritance that is kept in, in heaven for you, pure and undecaying and unsoiled. How are you handling that inheritance? Oh, I, I don't know. I didn't even think about it today. So Peter 1.5 says this, And through your faith, faith is the conviction of truth. Do you have that? In your life, the everyday things of life, whether you're in some store or whether you're driving down Maple, do you get conviction upon you? Your faith, the conviction of faith and how you should act, speak, drive, talk, look, dress, do you? So Peter says, and through your faith or through the conviction of truth that's running through your body, God is protecting you by his power. And you, you and I sit like lumps or sometimes moan or don't even have a clue. And God's protecting you by his power. It would probably take eternity for God to uh, replay our lives. And he shows how many times he protected us. When we're going, mumble, 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 mumble. And we've got all these demons and things happening and going on and enemies fighting them back from you. And we're just going, nothing going on around here. Isn't it true? It is true. And so that word of God tells us, God is protecting you by his power. Right now, today, God is protecting you because this handwritten letter from Peter, moved upon by God, is telling you. If you just open it. Cool. I love it. Through your faith or your conviction of truth, God has protected you by his power. Listen, until you. This letter is written to you. Do you get it? Until, until you receive this salvation, which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. If God comes now, it's going to be revealed to all to see. If it's just my time to die, it will be revealed to all, to me to see. My inheritance. My priceless inheritance. And God says, I'm keeping it for you. You're not, uh, well, uh, 40 some years ago. I don't even know if I was saved yet. Now I've been saved over 40 years. Mm hmm. I don't know. I had a, a relative, an uncle and an aunt had no children. And they seemed to have some money. And they lived right beside us. And they were like my mom and dad, second mom and dad. And they were getting old in life. I really didn't think about it. 
And then they kind of died, and I thought, ooh, because they had even mentioned, I think it was my uncle, might have mentioned about giving me his house. I'm like, whoa, whoa. And his name was, I called him Frank, but his name was Francesco Pistoninzi. <laughs> Do you remember Uncle Frank? Yeah. Well, my aunt died first, and my uncle remarried, and someone else got all the money. That's what goes on with this when you think you're going to have, and it's, but God says, don't worry about that. Mine is unchanged, unsoiled, and I'm keeping it by my power for you, and that day it will be revealed to you when you need it. I'm going, oh, absolutely. So you have to be convinced because verse 6 says, so be truly glad. That's why we were looking at you this morning. I'm like, oh, boy, I always tell the band, move them. I do. You see the band laugh once in a while, and I turn around and look at them. I'm saying, there, take a look. You move them. You go first. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, because we just, I don't know. We let our problems, and we do have problems and situations, and they can get heavy. But when you don't open the letter, and you don't read, see what's there for you, and what's, you, you lose the, the concept. You lose your vision of God. So 6 says, so be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead. You understand? <laughs> Wonderful joy ahead. We've lost some tremendous sweet saints. There's not one of them going to want to come back for this. New Hope's joy and your love and all that we have here doesn't compare to what they have. They're not up there going, darn, I miss Pastor Joe's preaching. And he's walking around with the Lord Jesus. Are you kidding? I mean, you, what's waiting for us? So be truly glad there is wonderful joy ahead. And here's something you can always trust. The Word of God never lies. It tells you the truth. Even though, he says, you have to endure many trials for a little while, many ups and downs, many disappointments, you'll have them for a little while. But heaven is waiting for me. Undefiled, pure, holy, unchanged. And when I go there, it's not going to say, oh, I give it to someone else. It's there for me. Heaven is waiting for me through the ups and the downs and the trials and the disappointments and the heartache. God says, don't worry, it's waiting. Yes. Who wants to hold on to this life? Oh, so I could make it a hundred. Are you kidding? A hundred. Come on. For what reason? And so the Word of God, through reading it, it tells us that you're going to heaven. I'm going to heaven. Handwritten letter. He says you. You watch if we get going and reading some more, it'll tell you, 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 you. This is to you. Now look what it says. While you have trials, verse 7 says, These trials will show that your faith is genuine. There's a lot of fake news right? Fake car salesmen, fake politicians, fake preachers, fake gospel. But God says, I'm going to let you walk through some stuff, and you're going to find out what you have is genuine. It's the real thing. The real thing. All you ladies think, oh, look at the ring. I got him. Is it real? God says, hey, my trials that you walk through, that I'll never leave you nor forsake you, and I will bring you through, these trials will show that your faith is genuine. It's genuine. Now, I would have to say all of you, if you've clung to the cross for any length of time, like three minutes, have gone through some unbelievable trial, whether it's big to me or not, doesn't matter, big to you, and you've clung to it, and you've gotten through it, and you've seen the Lord has brought you through. Doesn't that mean something to you? Isn't that something money can't buy, politicians can't give you? It's like, oh, my gosh. I, there has been so many times. In fact, I remember preaching. I said, God does something, and I'm still wondering. And all of a sudden, it dawns on me. He did it, and it's been a month. And I'll turn around and say, when, when did God do that? When did he do that? These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It's being tested. It'll be tested. Yes, it will. It has to be as fire tests and purifies gold. Listen what it says, though your faith is far more precious than gold. 
I was going to look up what gold's worth now. I didn't. What is it? $1,300 an ounce or something like that. An ounce. An ounce. $1,300 an ounce. I got a lifesaver here. It's probably an ounce. The most. $1,300. Isn't that what makes the world go around? Isn't that what makes your heart beat faster and your blood pressure grow up? Moolah. Money. God says, your faith is much more precious. That doesn't sink into us carnal Christians. American Christians who want to fly here and fly there and stick your feet in the sand. and Nah, it doesn't mean that much. The trials will show that your faith is genuine, being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is more precious than $1,300 an ounce. So listen what it says. So when your faith remains strong through many trials... See, people always bail. What are you bailing out in trials? They're tests given by Almighty. Fall on your face and say, God, give me the ability to pass this test. We're always pulling a ripcord. And you want to float to somewhere else like God's not there waiting for you, watching you. Okay, now you want to get going again? That's what he does. Through your faith, more more precious than gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, listen, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. God's going to know your substance at this point in time in life. Whether you lived a week saved and then died or hundreds and hundreds of weeks. Doesn't matter to God. Listen to me. Trials put iron in your soul. Hey man, American Christians don't have that. Oh, no, 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 no. Pastor, I'm, I'm leaving. You hurt my feelings. and eh, You're gone. There's no iron in American Christians. Hardly, hardly. There's some of you. Bless your hearts. Mm. I don't want to lift up people that much, but I can't help. Daryl and Joyce, that's, uh, I hugged them and said, there. Very much people like you and Joyce, and you know what I'm talking about. Because Daryl has pastored. He has dealt with the ironless people. Trials put iron in your soul. Trials prove what you have is real. Absolutely. We look at people and we say, "Ah, that, that person's real. How do they go through that? How can they possibly go through something with man cannot go through, no human can go through, yet they go through. Hands still praised, smile on their face, still serving and loving God. And you say, I want what they have, right? Because that faith is more precious than $1,300 worth of gold an ounce. So verse 8 says this, you love him even though you've never seen him. Now how can that be? How can that be? You understand what we're in is supernatural. It's supernatural. Supernatural. I do have a sister and I do have a brother and I was raised in their house. We still have the same parents. Occasionally we touch base. But supernaturally something has happened that I love the people of God way more than my natural family that aren't saved. I don't know if you, that rocks your boat. or It just happens. It happens. It's supernatural. And then you start falling in love with this Lord that you really can't see. Never seen Him. You love Him even though you've never seen Him, though you do not see Him now. I don't. Where is He? We will one day, but I don't see him now. Yet, it says, you trust him. You trust him. When your back's up against the wall, there's no one else to call, nothing else, nowhere to turn. Your money's wore out. Your body's wore out. I'm telling you, all you're going to have is the word. In the beginning was the, that's all you're going to have. And so you've got to find out through trials that you're just simply going to trust Him. You're going to come to the point, like I tell you often when I preach, you say this and that, and but this pastor, this pastor, this pastor, what about that, and the end of Christ, and all of a sudden I go, what? Uh-huh. 
No man really knows. You just trust the Word of God. You trust Him. I told you that before. I've been to so many nursing homes, seen so many horrible things, laid hands on so many people, praying for them, this disease, that disease. I've seen them just like this in wheelchairs, sometimes hollering, and, oh, I just can't stand it anymore. Now I'm their age. And it ba- I have an actual spiritual battle, and I just say, okay, hey, God, I'm yours. You understand? There's nothing I can do about it. I understand that. But without God, I'd be nuts. And so I simply say, Lord, I'm yours. I'm just going to trust you. You've carried me through all this. I have not uh, done this. I have not done anything in here. You have done it all. You've let me receive some glory and some adoration, but you've done it. I didn't do anything. And you will be there when I cross my last river, which is why I sing that song all the time. So you love him even though you've never seen him, though you do not see him now. You trust him and you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. Wish that was true. In here in worship time, we sing. Sometimes we worship. Most times we sing. There is a difference. You know that, right? I mean, you you have to fight your mind to concentrate to worship on him and him alone who's worthy of worship. And if you don't, you sing. You do. You can sing a song easily. Simple. Verse 8 says, oh, we, were, we did verse 8. So verse 9 says, listen, here's the reward for te- trusting or believing. That's why this sign's here. Been given to me always to remember to believe. Believe. We did the temperament study, which was awesome, and I found out I'm mostly blue and green, which is always an introvert, always kind of a downer, melancholic, looks at the bad most of the time. That glass is half full, half empty. Are you crazy? Wife goes, can we do No. Can I go here? No. How about you doing this? I don't think I can. That kind of, that, that kind of stuff, and so you just have to believe Almighty God. Trusting Him for the salvation of your soul. And that He is a rewarder of those that seek Him. You know what that word rewarder means? Anybody? Anybody get paid this week? Well, I'm glad you did. Everyone else is broke, I guess. Okay, Sam, (laughs) you guys are into this. You're very encouraging. What word rewarder means paid? You'll get paid. God will say, hey, Mike Sims, awesome life. Come here and collect. Now, I do money because that's what we are moved by. Who knows what God is going to reward us with? Well, this tells us the reward for trusting him will be the salvation of your soul. Payday. That's the real payday. Payday. I mean... Your goal is to get to heaven, right? You haven't lost eternal life. You know, through church stuff, you can lose sight of eternal life. Church, you, know, you can lose sight of Christ. You guys know what to do. You know to say amen, even though you don't want to today. You're being unmoved, kind of. But God, we know what to do. You know what's coming. You look at your clock and you think, okay, he's going to go by another 10 minutes. Verse 10 says, salvation was something even the prophets wanted to know more about when they prophesied about the gracious gracious salvation prepared for you. They were prophesying about this. It was like, man, I don't hardly understand what this is. Who's this for? In verse 11, Peter writes, they wondered what time or situation the Spirit of Christ within them was talking about. When's this going to happen? This is awesome what we're prophesying, what God's giving to me. How long we got to wait for this? When he told them in advance about Christ's suffering and his great glory afterwards. This is our time, your time. That's what it was for. Everyone that has been handpicked by God, chosen. 12 says they were told their messages were not for themselves, but for you.
And now this good news has been announced to you by those who preached in the power of the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. You know, you probably take this wrong, but here we go anyway. That's me. I was sent from heaven for you. And you might go, <laughs> geez, well, but so be it. It didn't say everybody would like you. Actually, if you're liked a lot, you're probably not doing really God's work. But listen, listen to me before you. Jeremiah 3.15 says this, I will give you pastors according to my heart. God says, I will give you godly leaders according to my heart, not what you want. See, we always want to vote. They wanted to vote back in Saul's day, and that's who they picked, right? Why did they pick Saul? Handsome, head and shoulder taller than everybody else. They'd pick Rod Bruning. Where is he? There. <laughs> and if Wesley was here, they'd pick Wesley. Why? Wesley's taller than Rod. And maybe, is there anyone else taller than him? I don't know. Uh, J.C. Moraski, John, he's pretty up there. I don't know if he's, so they pick him. That, that's how we vote. Well, he's kind of funny. I'll pick him. God says, look, I'm telling you something. I'm picking the pastor for you, and I'm going to send him to you. And actually, and people would come to me, and I'm leaving. I'm done, this and that. And I tell them that scripture. I say, oh, where are you going? Don't you understand? You came here. I didn't go after you, and God sent me here to be your pastor. None of them ever stayed. Either they never opened up the letter, or they could care less about it. They didn't stay. It had no impact on them at all. So I even told them, I said, so you're going to another church that has another pastor where God didn't send that pastor to pastor you. You ever think of that? And there's tons of them that have left. That's the truth. All right, so Peter goes on. We have a few more minutes. He calls us to a holy living in his letter. 1 Peter 1.13 says this, So think clearly and exercise self-control. King James says, So acknowledge thy iniquity. Acknowledge thy sin. Quit walking around like you've never sinned. Please, acknowledge it. That's what the Lord tells us to do. You start hiding it, you're in big trouble. So God says, acknowledge it. Look forward to the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. Now that hasn't happened yet. God says, look forward to it. That coming, when he's coming back. When he comes back, that's that salvation. He's kept pure and undefiled for you. Who he handpicked. Unless you don't want him. He sent everybody in the world a letter, and only a handful have opened it. And then less of a handful read it, and then less of that believe it. It's the truth. <laughs> it's the truth. If 12 people turned the world upside down, it'd be impossible for the United States to be so messed up. Impossible. But we're not doing. Verse 14. So look what he says. So you must live as God's obedient children. You must. You must. When you're in a restaurant and there's kids unruly and their mother's going, don't make me count to ten for the hundredth time. <laughs> right? That's what we are. God says, hey, you must obey. You must. You go in a restaurant, your children should obey. If not, you're, you're not doing it right. I mean, you're just not. They could act up, I understand, they could throw a bun across and hit the kid. Well, then you deal with it. Come here. Amen. I always tell them, I know we do timeout chairs and corners only because if we spank them, you'll freak. And we'll get arrested. But if you're a child and it's your child, you throw that timeout chair away. Break it up and use the slats on them. Amen. It's the truth. This is what, it's what the Word of God says. Either you're going to live by it or you're not. 
Look at ours. Check them out. They're not all messed up. So you must live. Word of God says must. I hope you understand this. You can get over on pastor. You can get over on, you know, your wife and us and even the law. I see people blow through stop signs all the time where I kind of live. They just ignore this one stop sign. And I always wish, I wish I was a policeman. I, I do. But God says you must obey as my children. Do not slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know better at at that time. Before you were saved, God says you didn't know better. Now you do. You're sitting in the house of truth where truth is given all the time. You know better. And to him to know the two good and doesn't is? But you're going to heaven. I mean, there's not going to be any sin in heaven. And God says, if you slip back, what are you going to be? What does Luke tell you if you slip back? Once you were saved, you served God, and now you slip back, you are... Yeah, you're seven times worse. Seven times worse. Some of you were bad. And you're going to be seven times worse? This is what Paul, Peter, is writing to us and telling us, giving us wisdom. But verse 15 says, but now you must be holy in everything you do. You just don't talk sweet here. All your conversation, it should be at work where you hit your thumb uh, with, a, with, with a nail and, or with a hammer and filthy words used to come out. You should just be going, glory. Not fake. I mean, that's, that should be what's in you now. Should be what's in you. But now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who has chosen you is holy, pure, blameless. They can't look at you and say, oh man, don't don't get him upset. He'll go off in a second and you'll hear words you forgot. What? Scripture says you must be holy because I am holy. Verse 17 says, remember that your heavenly Father to whom you pray has no favorites. We do. I do. I try not to let them bother me, but they do. They do. He will judge or reward you according to what you do. What you do. So you must live in reverent fear of Him during your time as foreigners in the land. This is a fallen world. You understand? Don't drive your anchor deep in this world. Don't. Those of you with little children that's got many years ahead of them, we naturally think, pour in the Word of God. That's what's going to be their anchor. Don't let them hang on to this world. Please don't let them be like Mike or LeBron or Terry Branch, whoever you want to mention. It's a fallen world. So look at verse 18, even though we forget. He says, For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. My dad and mom are sweet. Sweet people. They, they raised me nice. But they were empty when it came to supernatural, uh, when it came to scriptures and godliness. They had a form of religion that did nothing. Did nothing. I learned to drink wine, drink beer, have a little alcohol once in a while, and sing Italian songs. There are some morals in there, but nothing with God, nothing that would save and redeem my soul. I was told to use Mr. Bittner, Mrs. Bittner. Don't tell him, hey, Bill. No, but still, there was nothing empty. Empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And the ransom he paid was not mere gold or silver. How can we sit around at times and say, does God love me? Or I hate this place. When when in all reality, you're here because God put you here. I don't know why he put you in America, but he did. He put us here. And why would he put us in Zanesville? You'd be saying the same thing if it was Pittsburgh or Cleveland. Oh, if I could just live by the ocean. And after a while, you wouldn't even go there. I asked my son, you know, he can, he, he can do anything and everything in L.A. A couple hours, you can be on a mountain skiing. A couple hours, you take your skis off your 
laying on a beach. You don't do that all the time. Because it's, you know, it's what happens to the flesh. We get used to stuff. It's not like we're overwhelmed with it. Verse 19 says, It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. That was the price. How can you say He doesn't love you, has no plan for you? Because you don't read the letter. You don't read His love letter to you. Verse 20 says, God chose Him as your ransom long before the world began. Oh, I have these buffoon for children. They're fallen. They can't do nothing right. All they do is backslide. I'm going to choose my sinless, spotless son. Even multitudes of years before they're even born to be their ransom. What? How could you not? How could people not believe this letter? How could they not be packed in here? Waiting. How could it not be? We I got to hurry up and quit because we got to have a noon service. God chose him as your ransom long before the world began, but He has now revealed Him to you in these last days. Salvation. Listen, salvation was a well thought out plan. God didn't go. Oops, we forgot the mic. Oh, my gosh. Hurry up and get this together. Hurry up. Try to get him saved. It was a well thought out plan. You have been well thought out by God to come to him at a certain time in your life. It wasn't thrown together. It was done for you. Can my band come back up, please? Verse 21 says, through Christ you have come to trust in God. Isn't that true? Almighty God, through Christ. And you have placed your faith and hope in God because he raised Christ from the dead and gave him great glory. Look, our faith and hope have been substantiated by Christ, his resurrection. It is real. It's true. That, that's when, when, the, when the light goes off, if we want to use that dumb term. It's true. This is real. I can sink my teeth in this. Everybody in the world wants to know, why am I here? Why am I here? This is why. You have received, you were cleansed from your sins when you obeyed the truth, so now you must show sincere love to each other's as brothers and sisters. Each other's. That's what's supernatural. I have a natural brother stop by once every blue moon. I really got to, what am I going to say? Hi. Seriously, how about them Steelers? Boy, they stink, yeah. Hey, it was nice seeing you. We grew up in the same room. He had his little bed over there. I had mine over there. For years. Hardly have anything to say. Get a complete stranger. Even could be 30 years younger than me. Like these young men we have here. And we'll talk forever. About all kinds of things. Holy living is incomplete. It's incomplete if it's not accompanied by love for your brother. If you're not moved, then I don't know what you got. Because I was the most unmoved person along a long line of hard-hearted people. Unmoved. Lots of times at the office, Teresa will say, you're just so merciful. And I'll walk down my hallway, I'm just thinking, I am. Because I've never. But that's what God, God has done that. He's done that. That's how I know this thing is real. It's real. Taking me, who's, if you took that test of 40, 36 introvert, 36, hey, no way, in the natural I should be up here. It should be absolutely impossible. And when I am in crowds somewhere else, you don't see me like this. Hey, how you doing? <laughs> I'm just standing, usually waiting for Ruth. And I'm standing with my other green blues, Daryl. Some of my other ones are sometimes, Brian's got some of that in him. He's got some other color there. Not sure what it is. 
But this is, this is what God does. So please stand. And as you stand, it says this. For if you've been born again, but not to a life that will quickly end. Thank God. Your new life will last forever because it has come from the eternal living word of God. And it says this. This is true about us humans. Look, as the scripture says, people are like grass. Their beauty is like a flower in the field. The grass withers and a flower fades. I had my grandboys over just the other day. We're up in my loft, so I got to go downstairs through the kitchen and down some more stairs. We were going to the garage for something. He says, I'll get it, Pat. And I said, well, I know you won't kind of know where it is, so I'll come with you. And he's, boom, down the stairs. I'm going, <laughs> stairs are a little harder nowadays. And then we get to the porch, and he jumps off and leaps. And he's in the garage, and I went to myself, I wish I could do that again. It, grass withers and a flower fades. It does. Look, I'm fading. That annoys me at times. But it's scripture. I'm fading, but guess what? I wanted to have a, and I forgot, have a sound of saws and hammers and electric saws because my home's almost done. Now, there's nothing wrong with me, but I'm just, the way it is. God's preparing a place, undefiled. Nothing's going to be leaking and messed up. In fact, you know what? It's a tremendous maintenance. I'm never going to have to do a thing. It's made beautiful, top, notch, waiting for me, pure and holy, just for me. And to prove it, he wrote me this letter, sent by Peter to you. Yes. Now, if need be, we're in trials. But there's that fourth man in the fire. And we're going to sing again. And if you could just block out people. If you want to come here and stand and worship God, then you will worship and you will leave different. Trust Him. <laughs>